Welcome to the Texas Values Report. This is Jonathan Sines, president of Texas Values. Great to be with you on another glorious week here in the state of Texas. Hey, look, focusing on Texas today, but certainly highlighting all the great work that our friends are doing at the March for Life in D.C. Our good friend Matthew West is going to be there. Boy, we spent so much time with him last year and from Texas as well, Abby Johnson. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the March for Life. You know, we had a big march here in Texas last week, but D.C. taking center stage today as the National March for Life. Uh, unfortunately, you won't see some of the numbers we were planning to go this year, but, you know, a lot of concerns about safety issues, whether it's the virus issues, things going on at the Capitol. And so there's no uh, large scale march like this, but the show must go on and they're going to have a great live feed, a virtual march, if you will, a great chance for you to engage on social media. Use the hashtag March for Life. You could even uh, I know in past years they've used the hashtag excuse me, why we march. Those are always good. You got a personal story that connects to the pro-life issue. And I think it starts uh, at 11 a.m. Central, 12 p.m., if you will, Eastern Standard Time. So if you're watching this, uh, click this link, like it, share it, because we're going to talk a little bit about the March for Life. We're going to talk about some pro-life stuff that's cooking here in Texas and a little bit of that overflow from last week. But the March for Life starts at 11 a.m. Central. We'll try to post a feed to it on our social media channels. But you can go to the website, marchforlife.org, get connected, get that live feed. You can see some great music from our great friend, Matthew West. Also, Abby Johnson from Texas is going to be there, former abortion clinic worker from Planned Parenthood, now pro-life movement hero. Really, a lot's been made about her. A movie's been made about her. Claire Colwell also does a lot of pro-life work. She's got a fantastic pro-life story. She's going to be there. Tim Tebow is going to be there. All right. Tebow time. All right. You're going to be able to see Tim Tebow, not talking about sports, but talking about his passionate Christian faith, his pro-life stance. Those are just some of the examples of the momentum that you're seeing on the pro-life issue. And it's infectious. Okay. Look, I've been in the, the pro-life movement for quite some time. I was born in 1973. If that tells you a little bit about uh, how old I am. And it's great to see younger people like Tim Tebow, like uh, Matthew West, Abby Johnson, all these people and plenty others that are much younger than myself that are part of this generation that is creating all of this momentum and excitement in such an important issue. I mean, this is an issue that is literally life and death. And so to have folks that continue to get involved in this and to see young people, we were looking at taking a group of young people too, uh, we certainly had a presence last week here in Austin when their, the Texas Rally for Life took place. Tremendous turnout. Abby Johnson was here too. A lot of great speakers. Our good friend Heather Gardner and many others. But look, the Students for Life had a representative here that, uh, and look, many years ago, I was a part of that entity, Texas Students for Life. I was a law student at the University of Houston and the government there tried to restrict the pro-life and free speech views of the pro-life group that I found myself leading. And we filed a lawsuit. And actually, the lawsuit started before I got there for, with a group of pro-life students. But I carried it forward and carried it to the end. And we ended up winning. And we secured our free speech rights. I mean, think about that, right? You're a law student suing your law school. It was an interesting position to be in. And it was difficult at times, all right? Uh, I felt a lot of pressure and negative attention from uh you know, the, the university and the campus. And so I, you know, had my picture on the front page of the paper. I was like public enemy number one. And I was concerned about whether or not I was going to be able to graduate. It felt very hostile at times. 
but we saw that through. We had a great event as a result of securing our First Amendment rights, and we were able to talk to young people about this issue. And I will never forget a young woman came to us. She was pregnant. She was being pressured to have an abortion by her boyfriend. We gave her information that she had never had before about these issues about the humanity, the science, the biology of the child inside the womb. And she used that information and left there saying, I'm going to protect my baby. I'm not going to go through with the abortion and I'm going to uh, protect in the life in my womb. And so, I mean, just, you know, look, I'll never forget that moment. I'll never forget that experience, but many more since then. That's why it's so important, the type of laws we have in our state. And as many of y'all know, the legislative session has started. It's uh, sort of in full swing. I was there this week. Our team's been there really since the session started. It looks a lot different, right? Less people at the Capitol, less bills being filed. It feels like a lot of, lot, uh, excuse me, less activity. But there is really no uh, decrease in the importance of the work we're doing. And so if you want to get involved with us, go to txvalues.org, sign up for our email alerts. We're going to be putting something out on social media. I read something from our friends nationally today. From what I heard, focus on the family got shut down by Twitter either last night or over or the past couple of days because they put factual information about biology as it relates to male and female and some of the stuff we see going on from the Biden administration. I mentioned that because we'll be talking about that as well. We might get shut down by some social media platforms simply because we're trying to tell the truth, not because we've done anything to put anyone at risk. This is information. This is nothing that we have done to try to uh, threaten anyone's safety. It's sharing information about what the Biden administration is doing and about a particular secretary that they have, uh, an official they brought into their cabinet. We can't have these conversations. We can't talk about what the details are factually. So in case we get shut down by whether it's Facebook, Twitter, or some other social media platform, make sure you sign up for our email alerts. And it's no exaggeration, okay? Focus on the family is one of the largest organizations in the country that works, that's nonprofit and tries to educate people from a Christian worldview. It's long been our concern that some of these things might happen. So sign up for our email alert in case that happens. And I imagine if it does, it, it would only be temporary, but who knows, okay? Uh, so txvalues.org, sign up for those email alerts. But the March for Life is gonna be starting any moment in our nation's capital. And I, you know, I can imagine different environment with everything that's gone on with the uh, change of power, the presidential election, all those different things that happened uh, at the Capitol that were very concerning, which we completely condemn. We would never support people acting that way. It's certainly important for people to stand up for what they believe in, but it doesn't mean that you have to resort to violence and put other people's lives in danger. But it's still important for us to be able to have the freedom to speak about what we believe in, to get together. And that's what the March for Life is about. And I don't recall any there ever being a situation where there was issues regarding violence or concerns, at least not from the people that were actually a part of the March for Life. Uh, sometimes you'll find people that are protesting that issue that can get very violent and aggressive. I've actually been to the March for Life. I can't remember if it's once or twice now. Um, you know, our work is state-based, but we will go up to D.C. from time to time and work with our friends there. And I went one time for sure, I know. Um, and and it was a great experience. Got to to network and see a lot of great friends and folks from in the area. And, and I was, you know, I was disappointed this year. I know that uh, they had good reasons. I, I'm not being critical of that. I'm just telling you, I was hoping that I could go this year. Um, and I, the school where my son goes to, a lot of times they send a group. Look, they weren't able to this year, and I get that safety concerns and so on. Uh, so we'll have to wait till next year. 
uh, but I've been looking forward to going to again and going with uh, with my children who go a lot of times at the state level, but never at the national level. And so, but we'll figure that out next time around, but it doesn't have to stop the message from being carried. You can put something up on social media, send an email out to friends, text, whatever, hashtag March for life and, and put whatever message you want. Why we march, I, I mentioned was used last time. I imagine you might see that again. Tell your story. It's interesting too. I mean, earlier, it was last year now, right? In the middle of the year, during the presidential, how many of y'all saw that speech from Abby Johnson where she talked about what it was like to work in an abortion clinic? And then she delivered that line. Did you know abortion had a smell? <laughs> I'm telling you, I just couldn't almost think and breathe after that. It was such a bell ringer. I'm like, I've never heard that. I've never heard someone describe it that way. And that description also left me with not an answer. And my answer would have been no. I mean, I, I did not know that. And, but really the shock of, wow, it does. And, and you could understand or, or kind of imagine that, right? And here's Abby Johnson. She doesn't have to make that up. She doesn't have to give you a hypothetical. She worked there. She saw the horrors of the abortion industry. And that's in large part why she said, I can't do this anymore. This is not right. This is a life. She saw that life that baby in the womb struggling, moving around, trying to survive, okay? Because that's what our instincts do as a human being. And so look, a lot's happening at the state capitol, all right? We're just about three weeks in of the legislative session. Bills are being filed, activities starting to get picked up. You need to be engaged with us. Check out our, um, go to our website, get our emails, dxvalues.org. The capitol is open. There are opportunities for you to do things at the Texas Capitol. You want to team up with us? We had a great group come in earlier this week, Fredericksburg Tea Party, great friends of our Matt Long, um, Angela, a lot of other uh, friends of that group that we know for many years. But get connected with us. There's a great day where we're going to get together. March 17th is the Faith and Family Day at the Texas Capitol. We're still trying to work on how we're going to figure that out, but we'll, find, we'll do it one way or another. But we had a private event earlier this week where we had numerous members of the Texas House and the Texas Senate, as well as staff members. If you're a legislative staff member and you're still trying to figure out, gosh, what's going on in the pro-life issue? What's going on with all these sexuality issues with women in sports, with um, these kids that are being forced or being talked into to, to modifying their bodies, to mutilating their bodies in a lot of ways, really being experimented on? What's going on on those issues? What's going on with religious liberty? What is the latest court case? Are there still churches that are trying to stay open? There, there are, as a matter of fact. Many of them are still fighting for that in other states like California and New York. But if you want to get the details on that, um, let us know. We've got some of that information on our website, but we can bring you into your, our office. We can do a Zoom. We can do a video call. We can educate you. And if you're that average person, I, and don't, I don't want, I always, you know, you say that and it sounds like, you're kind of meaningless. What I mean, if you're you're not involved in the work like we are every day, knowing how the legislative process works, uh, how a bill becomes a law, how can you get involved at the Capitol? We've got a great treat for you. Uh, we're going to release it later today. I don't even want to tell you the date because I might get it wrong, but it's likely to be on February 8th. That's a Monday. But this is going to be a virtual training. So wherever you are in the state, you don't have to come to our office. You don't have to come to an in-person event. If you're still kind of, you know, sorting through that for safety measures, it's going to be virtual and we need a huge turnout. This is a training about how the legislative process works. What are some of the key issues going on at the Texas Capitol? Who do I contact? 
when's a good time to do that? Uh, who's done it before that could walk me through it? We've got a great virtual training program set up. We've got a slideshow. Myself, Jonathan Covey, our director of policy, Mary Elizabeth Castle, policy advisor, Greg McCarthy, that's a part of our team. We're all going to be pitching in to help you get through this. But it's, a, it's about a 30 to 45 minute virtual training. There will be time for Q&A. If you have questions about the process, what about the Texas Capitol? What are the protocols to get in? If you make your way to the Texas Capitol and, you know, how do you set up a meeting with a legislator? What if you can only meet with staff? How do you deal with some of those things? What bills have been filed already? And we're going to cover all that. But I'm going to just kind of give you a little bit of flavor of that. There are bills that have already been filed on the religious liberty issue. Angela Paxton, Senator Angela Paxton's filed a bill to protect churches. Very, uh, identical bill by Scott Sanford has been filed. That's Senate Bill 251 and House Bill 1239. Also, there's a constitutional amendment that's been filed on that issue. Jeff Leach and Senator Kelly Hancock, as well as Matt Shaheen, protecting religious organizations to make it clear, even in a pandemic, these efforts and individuals and entities, they're essential. That's why religious liberty is in the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. And so um, those bills have already been filed, some pro-life bills. I'm hearing the heartbeat bill is going to be filed very soon by Senator Brian Hughes and Briscoe Kane in the House. Several other bills have been filed on these issues, trying to find a way to make sure we can protect life and really be in a position of saying, look, you know, we have seen a lot of momentum. We've seen a lot of progress. We know what the baby looks like in the womb, whether it's 3D, whether it's 4D, whether it's the sonogram technology. We know that babies feel pain very early in those stages. We know that a heartbeat starts very soon. And you have to ask yourself, if there's a heartbeat, what does an abortion do? It stops the beating heart. What happens when a heartbeat is stopped? Someone dies. Think about all those moments, right? Think about shows. Think about maybe times in your personal life when somebody is in a very difficult position health-wise, medically. They're in the emergency room. People are in a panic. What are they searching for? A pulse. Is there a heartbeat? That is one of the most significant indicators of life, particularly if someone is alive or still dead. And sometimes they're not a pulse. You can be shocked. You can, the, the pulse will come back. You see it on the screen. Not only do you see a sonogram for an unborn child, you go into a hospital and if your vital signs, if there's a question about whether or not you're still alive, they're looking for that beep, beep, beep. We're all familiar with it. It is a universal sign of life and death. That should be no different for an unborn child. And the technology exists, right? For many people, right? Finding out whether or not they're gonna have a child. Right? That mother wants to find out, that family, the husband and wife, they want to find out what's the indicator. Is there a heartbeat? It is one of the key detectors of life. And we can do that inside of the womb. That is going to be key legislation, but also a key conversation. You know, when the technology was developed and, and you know, fine-tuned and really became commonplace with a sonogram, wow, it was a game changer for the medical industry, for people, but not only that, for abortion doctors. There's an abortion doctor, former abortion doctor, Bernard Nathanson. He's got a great book out if you haven't uh, seen it. And I, I believe it's called um, In the Hand of God. I've got a couple of copies of it. I used to read it all the time. I've got it you know, tabbed and highlighted. He was one of the most 
famous, if you will, and, and one of the people that pioneered a lot of the so-called abortion procedures, all right? And he was a part of the pro-abortion advocacy movement. But he talks about in the book in a moment when on one floor, a baby that was about five or, month, five or six months along, he was trying to save. And on another floor, a baby in the womb that was about five or six months apart, he was in the process of ending that life through an abortion. And he just couldn't reconcile it. He couldn't do it anymore. And a big part of that is he says, because they could see the baby through the sonogram, right? Many people have told, been told, you know, this is just a clump of cells. It's not, it's not true. I mean, from some of the earliest stages, if you want to get into what it looks like, it looks just like you and I do at a smaller stage, right? I mean, everything is there. And the more that you see that now with 3D and 4D, right? People will post them on social media or in their house or whatever, right? There's my baby. They can see smile. They can see the heart beating. I mean, they're just, it's all there. It, it's, it's so clear, the human side of that, right? Then why is it not reflected in law? You know, and I learned that a lot in, in law school. Y'all hear me say this often. The law is a teacher. Well, the law is not matching up with what we now know. And that's why you saw bills like the sonogram bill. And, and we see that there continues to be uh, laws in place that make it much earlier to where you cannot perform abortion because we're finding out at a much earlier stage, the baby's alive, there's a heart beating and it's all there because we can see it through this great technology. And we're learning so much and we're coming face to face. Really, that's the only way I could say it with this is one of us. How can we do this? Right. So a lot of legislations already um, getting filed. You're going to see more things. You're going to see efforts to make it clear that abortion providers cannot contract with the government, no matter where those abortion providers are. We saw that play out in a lot of sex education issues. But let me get back to the March for Life. And if you've never been, you know, the, the, they're, they're not having the traditional march this year. It's sort of a virtual march. Go to marchforlife.com. They're going to have a, a page up pretty soon with a live feed. Our great friend Matthew West is going to be there, who performed at two of our events this year. Um, Tim Tebow is going to be there. Abby Johnson from Texas, many others. But, you know, look at some of the details and the facts on these issues. And as much progress, if you want to say we've made, with different pro-life laws in the state of Texas, there's still about 50,000 abortions every year in the state of Texas. That's a big number, right? That, that's a football field crowd stadium. I mean, it's a lot of people. That's a, you know, as some people say, it's almost like a generation that's been erased. Uh, you know, then that's just in the state of Texas. The numbers, I think, close to a million if you get um, out and look at the entire country of the United States. And that's just, that's not even worldwide, the numbers through the roof. Uh, there's some estimates that 60 million babies' lives have been lost since Roe versus Wade in the state of Texas. And I come back to that point about the, the, the law, right? You didn't have abortions at that number before Roe versus Wade, right? And people say, yeah, because it was illegal. That's my point, okay? People's a lot of times the decisions that people make and how they live their life does relate to what the law says is okay and isn't. So, you know, what you have people saying, well, is it wrong? Then if it's wrong, how is it legal, right? And that's a legitimate question to ask. 
why is the law not matching up to what we know in humanity? And the other point is that a lot of people will say, well, I wouldn't have known it was a life because it was legal. I had no idea. I don't know how many times I've heard young people say that. And sometimes young women who already had an abortion and can't, can't reverse that decision, right? And look, I want to be considerate about that and thoughtful, okay? Because I, I haven't gone through that, but I can imagine how hard that can be. To, to come face to face with some of the information now and know, you know, for young people or, or, or a woman at whatever age, no, I didn't know that. Women have said that had I known that it was not just a clump of cells, had I known some of the information that we know now, I wouldn't have done that to my unborn child. I can't imagine what that grief is like, but I don't want you to stay there if you've experienced that. There is forgiveness and you can move forward and you can be a great voice to someone else to hopefully stop them or give them information to not make that same decision, right? And for that life to come forward and bless people and who knows, you know, uh, what different way, right? Sorry. So, hey, look, th these issues matter to me and our team at Texas Values, okay? They do get to the heart. And, and I'm not ashamed that I get emotional sometimes on these issues. They're life and death. I care about them. I care about people. I know you do as well. And that's why we've worked so hard for legislation to protect churches and religious organizations coming up this session, all right? Because we care about people. We know that the churches oftentimes are where you see a lot of these uh, pregnancy care centers really coming out of as a ministry, as a part of the church. And we're going to work on doing our best to protect them as well, because that's so critical. And during last year and flowing into this year, with all the restrictions and the concerns and the safety issues regarding COVID, you know, the people that are that statistically are doing best are the ones that have been able to go to church regularly. It's so important for us to protect that right. Even if you've got to distance a little bit or there's not as many people, the freedom to not have the government lock the doors of the church and force them to close is so valuable. And that's a big part of why we're going to be working on that. And that is one of our highest priorities this session to get those things done. But you can help us do that. Uh, when our announcement comes up for our legislative training, sign up. It's going to be, I think it's going to be free. Okay. I don't know if it's going to cost you anything. We put a lot of work into it, but we do want you to register so we can make sure we get the information from you. And it, I don't think that it's something that we're going to do on Facebook Live. It's going to be, uh, we're going to have a structure to it. So we want to get you signed up. Um, and then look, invite some friends to be a part of it with you. All right. We want this to multiply. We want you to be able to come to the Capitol or wherever you live to contact your elected official to let them know um, your concerns on these issues. Last thing I want to mention, and we'll probably mention this in this training, but it's on our website too. a new project we have at Texas Values, the Church Ambassador Network. This is a robust and ambitious project to connect churches throughout the state of Texas and their leaders with government officials. That's how you make sure that the church is essential is by creating an opportunity for those relationships to be formed so that the government knows how important the church is, serving the poor, serving families in need, helping people with shelter, helping them with just a shoulder in a place of refuge to go to for solace, whatever it is they need, a quiet space, okay? The marriage ministries, uh, the children's ministries, you know, the a lot of times they're... Um, 
opportunities that they have to help people that are looking for jobs, a variety of different things, learning about what your faith is about. There's so many things that the church provides. And so we're going to be helping do that. But, it, but when those leaders are in co community and connection with government officials, it makes it much harder for them to lose those rights. So Church Ambassador Network, new project, Brian English is leading that. You can find out more about that on our website, txvalues.org. Look, we're rolling into February. Okay. I, I don't know. I haven't looked at the calendar. Is it that, is it this weekend? Maybe it's Monday. Very soon. All right. Things are going to start moving a little bit quicker at the Texas legislature. Also, we filed some briefs with the attorney general's office on some work we're doing to protect religious liberty as it relates to sexual orientation, gender identity issues. And we're about out of time. And I haven't even told you about some of the executive orders Biden has pushed. That was the subject of focus on the family's Twitter. Okay. In part, the Biden administration has appointed someone who was a biological male who has transitioned. I'm not sure in what ways. And now uh, says that he's a woman. Okay. And, and is now part of the presidential administration. He also reversed what Trump did, who, who reversed what Obama did, and is, and is requiring, pushing and pressuring schools that they now have to allow biological boys into the girls' bathroom, shower, and locker rooms, and they've got to allow the biological boys that want to to play on girls' teams that say that they're transitioning to being uh, transgender. Uh, these are issues of concern that Biden is pushing is showing. These are priorities of his. OK, but we can do something about it at the state level. You can help us by helping us protect faith, family and freedom here in the state of Texas. Go to our website, txvalues.org, to get this information. Make a donation to a tax donation if you can. We've had success on these issues. We can win. The truth can prevail if you help us. But we'll have more updates on this and the work that we do at Texas Values next week on the Texas Values Report.